Father in heaven, thank you so much that we have this opportunity once more to come and study your word. Lord, please grace us with thy presence. Bless us with thy presence. May your Holy Spirit even rain down upon us even now. For Lord, we need him more than anything else because he's the very one that inspired the words that we're about to read. And unless you're with us, Lord, our time together will be fruitless this morning. So please bless us now. And we claim the promise where two or three are gathered together in your name, that you would be there in the midst of them. And Father, there is more than that this morning as we're studying together online. Please, Lord, grace us with thy presence, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray and ask. Amen. Our study this morning is entitled Legally Unrighteous. Not legally righteous, but legally unrighteous. And we are still studying the book of Nehemiah. The work of rebuilding the wall had been progressing at a steady pace with Nehemiah and everybody that was there. Issues had arisen that had been dealt with. Sanballat, um, the enemy to the Israelites that was jealous that the Israelites were now rebuilding the walls. You know, the, he threatened not only to, to come in and destroy the work, but to even kill them. And so the people began to hold weapons as they began to work. From within, the people, they began to complain because the work was hard. People were burning out and there was a lot of rubbish around to clear away. But Nehemiah encouraged them with the thought that God was with them and would fight for them and be their help. So they came together and they had a mind to work. That's what we studied last week. And so the work continued to move forward at a steady pace. And just when Nehemiah thought the worst was over, then something new came up again. We are reading from Nehemiah chapter 5. Starting in verse 1, the Bible says, And there was a great cry of the people and of their wives against their brethren, the Jews. A new complaint, a new issue came up, and this time it was from within the camp about other Jews that were in there as well. An internal issue that came up. What was it? What was it that people were complaining against other Jews, people that were fellow workers and believers of the same faith. What was going on? Nehemiah chapter 5 verse 2 continues, For there were that said, We, our sons and our daughters, are many. Therefore we take up corn for them, and that we may eat and live. Some also there were that said, We have mortgaged our lands, vineyards, and houses, that we might buy corn because of the dearth. There were also that said, We have borrowed money, for the king's tribute, and that upon our lands and vineyards, yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, <clears throat> our children as their children, and lo, we bring into bondage our sons and our daughters to be servants, and some of our daughters were brought unto bondage already, neither is it in our power to redeem them, for other men have our lands and our vineyards. What was taking place here. There was not enough food for these poor families, especially those that had large families. People were crying out for lack of food, for hunger. And because of the shortness of food, it said there was a dearth, not because there was an actual literal famine, 
but that these people were in a famine because they didn't have enough to eat. And so what did they have to do? They had to mortgage their land. They had to mortgage their houses. They had to mortgage their vineyards just to buy food and to have enough to eat. But then when that ran out, what did they have to do? It wasn't enough. That was enough maybe for one month, maybe two months, maybe half a year. We don't know, maybe even one year. But then they ran out again. And these poor families, they had to give their sons and their daughters to the families of those that were affluent. And they were brought into bondage. They became slaves. They became servants. And for someone, just so that they could provide means for themselves to survive and to live. They had run out of their own possessions. They had run out of more things to give away. And then they ran out of food. And so then they began to complain. Basically, what is happening here as we read in the first five verses, the rich were taking advantage of the poor. And just when Nehemiah thought that everything would be smooth sailing, that maybe the worst was behind them, and now, now the Lord was just going to make the way clear and plain, and the work would just press forward with greater energy, and fresh new issue came up. And you know, friends, we got to expect that when we're working in the Lord's vineyard, there's going to be problems. We got to expect that. Don't think that just because you're working for the Lord, that He will just smooth the way over without any extra effort on your behalf at all. No, friends, it's going to require courage. It's going to require faith. It's going to require a whole lot of extra effort just to make sure that peace is maintained as well. So we see that the rich there are beginning, not beginning, they have already taken advantage of the poor. So let's continue, shall we? Nehemiah chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. And I, Nehemiah, was very angry when I heard their cry and these words. Then I consulted with myself, and I rebuked the nobles and the rulers, and said unto them, Ye exact usury, every one of his brother, and I set a great assembly against them. Nehemiah was not happy to hear that. He was angry, and he called forth the, the rulers and the nobles, and he rebuked them. He stepped up straight away to deal with this situation. And he was not afraid. He called those that were affluent, those that were men of wealth, that were giving their time and their means for the work of even just building and rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah was not afraid to step on their toes, to offend them, to get them upset, even though he needed their influence and their affluence to finish this work here. He was not happy with the situation. And so he called them forward and he sharply rebuked them for their wicked course and their wicked action. You know, friends, we can't be afraid to speak up for the truth and for that which is right and for those that don't have a voice and against those that are walking down the wrong path, especially against those that have influence and have means and money. Too often in our churches, we revere those that have money. And usually those that have money have a loud voice as well. And that's what got them into their position of influence and affluence at the very beginning. But we can't be afraid to speak the truth. Why? Because look, friends, we are all human. 
we are all human. We will always make mistakes. No person out there is 100% right. That person has already lived. His name was Jesus. But there is no other person here on this earth that has it 100% correct. I, I don't care how successful a business you run. It doesn't matter how much money you have. You've made some right decisions in your life that have gotten you your influence and especially your wealth. But along the way, there were lots of failures as well. And so just because rich people are in the church, it does not mean that they're always right, that they're always correct. And so friends, if we are to do the work of God in the church, it requires courage. It requires a backbone. It requires for you to have a strong foundation to be able to speak up against injustice. And even when we're going down the wrong path, that you're willing to stand up for the truth in spite of the possible consequences that it might cause. And in this case, the rich were getting richer and the poor were getting poorer. And so Nehemiah continues, Nehemiah chapter 5 and verse 8, And I said unto them, We after our ability have redeemed our brethren the Jews, which were sold unto the heathen. And will ye even sell your brethren? Or shall they be sold unto us? Then they held their peace and found nothing to answer. Nehemiah, he had set the example to redeem as much as possible those that had been sold to the heathen. He had used his own money to buy back the Jews that had been slaves to the Gentiles in foreign lands just so that they can come back to to their home country and their homeland. But now he comes back to Jerusalem there, his homeland, and he finds Jews enslaved to Jews. For the sake of what? Worldly gain. They were putting others of the same race and religion in a worse position when it was not necessary for their own survival to do such a thing. They didn't have to enslave their brethren and take their houses and lands, except that maybe it was the legal thing to do. And we are looking at legally unrighteous. You know, friends, we could be walking in accordance to the laws of the land, but yet not walking with Jesus. And we got to be so careful with this. I want you to keep this in mind because really this is the thrust of our sermon. It is possible that you are where you are right now is legal according to the laws of Malaysia or whichever country that you're living in to the land that you're in, but it doesn't mean that you're doing the righteous thing. God's laws and His ways must always come above the laws of the land. And it was legal for these people to do what they were doing. The, 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 the poor people that had no means and had no food, they ran out of food and so they mortgaged their house. They mortgaged their land. And so it was a barter. It was a trade. That's legal, right? That's what we should do, isn't it? When, when we run out of money, even in this our current day and age that we're living in, we can understand this situation. Sell my car, sell my house, get rid of all the things, and eventually sell myself as well. And that's what happened to the poor. And Nehemiah, he was not happy with this. Why? The heathen did that, and the Jews were enslaved to them. And he came back and found the same thing. 
happening here. The rich putting the poor into bondage, even though it was legal. Let's continue. Nehemiah chapter 5 and verse 9, Also I said, It is not good that ye do. Ought ye not to walk in the fear of our God because of the reproach of the heathen, our enemies? So not only does Nehemiah tell them that it's not good what they've done, but what they were doing was also unrighteous in the sight of God. He adds that if there was ever a time that they really had to be faithful to God, to really fear God, it was at this time because the heathen, their enemies, Sanballat, was trying to destroy them and hinder their work. And they had to make sure that they had the protection of God above anything else. Sure, they were holding swords and spears and shields. They were doing their part to protect themselves and God had been guiding them up to that point. But it could be possible that God would stop guiding them and being with them and be a protecting hedge and a wall of fire around them from their enemies because of now what they were doing. You know, friends, sometimes when we go through persecution, when we are facing trouble on all sides, we tend to get down on ourselves and we tend to doubt God and let go of Him, isn't it? But it's this time that we need to be most vigilant, where we need to be most watchful of ourselves, to be making sure that we are faithful to the Lord in every respect, to the very dotting of the I's and the crossing of the T's, to make sure that the enemy has no way to really attack us and to make us falter. This is a time that we have to make sure that our hold on God and our faith is sure. That the holes in our faith are plugged up and that we are living righteously and learning to fear God with all our hearts. For truly, the righteous, the rich, the affluent, the nobles, those that had the means were not fearing man at all but they had to learn to fear God. You know, friends, the work of God always demands watchfulness and prayer and faithfulness. And especially when you're in the midst of evangelism, when you're doing outreach, when you're on the front lines and active for the Lord in His service, it requires you to be even more diligent and making sure that you are faithful to God. For the work itself of building the wall cannot replace our faithfulness to God. You might be doing the work of God, but it doesn't mean that God is with you. So let's continue. Nehemiah chapter 5 verses 10 to 11. I likewise and my brethren and my servants might exact of them money and corn. I pray you, let us leave off this usury, this tax, this interest that they're asking from the poor. Restore, I pray you to them, even this day their lands, their vineyards, their olive yards, and their houses, also the hundredth part of the money and of the corn, the wine and the oil that ye exact of them. You know what Nehemiah does? He points to his own example where he himself, he was invested with the authority of the king the Persian king, and he was brought there on this mission in a sense that the, that the king approved of Nehemiah, and he could have demanded corn and 
and money and other benefits for himself, for his own personal benefit, because he was coming on behalf of the king. Wherever he went, the people were indebted to give it to him because he was the governor sent from the king, you see. But instead of doing that, Nehemiah, he did not take anything. He did not take what justly and legally belonged to him. But instead, he gave liberally to relieve those that were poor and in need. And so he urges those rulers, those nobles, those that had put the Jews into bondage to do the same thing. He didn't give any other reason but that you should not be putting them into bondage when they were already so poor. To follow his example, to not to force the poor to pay their mortgage back, but just simply give all their houses and their lands and food, even to the, to the hundredth corn and penny, to restore everything back to them. Look, what the, riches, the, the rich, the nobles and the rulers had done was legal, friends. It was not outside the boundaries of the law that had been instituted by the Medes and the Persians. That's why Nehemiah pointed to his example. But he didn't even do that. He did not do what was legally in his right to do. What was the problem, friends? What was the problem here that we're finding in Nehemiah chapter 5? It's the love of money and the love of gain. Let me say it again. It was the love of money and the love of gain. And the only way to make it right was to restore everything back to the poor that they had taken. Friends, was it fair to the nobles and the rulers? Was it fair to them? Of course it wasn't. But was it the right thing to do? Absolutely. The poor had run out of money. They'd mortgaged their lands, houses, and eventually themselves. And it was a, a fair trade, wasn't it? It seemed like the right thing to do. But in the eyes of God, how the world sees what is right is not always right to Him. And we've got to make sure that we always put God first above the laws of the land. I'm not asking you to be a rebel, but asking you to go into rebellion. But friends, we got to make sure we do that which is righteous. Are you with me? And you know, praise God, when we continue reading, there came a good outcome. Look at how the nobles and the rulers responded. Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 12 and 13. Then said they, we will restore them and will require nothing of them so will we do as thou sayest. Then I called the priests and took an oath of them that they should do according to this promise. Also, I shook my lap and said, So God shake out every man from his house and from his labor that performeth not this promise. Even thus he be shaken out and emptied. And all the congregation said, Amen, and praised the Lord. And the people did according to this promise. The rich they promised to restore everything. They had true repentance. And truly, the Spirit of God was working through Nehemiah and upon the hearts of the nobles and those that had position and influence and riches. 
But Nehemiah is not done yet. Let's continue reading, shall we? Nehemiah chapter 5, now in verse 14. Moreover, from the time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year, even under the 2 and 30th year of Artaxerxes the king, that is 12 years, I and my brethren had not eaten the bread of the governor. Do you see that? Nehemiah is pointing to his example again. It's been 12 years and he had not eaten from anybody's bread but from the resources of what came from Medo-Persia itself. But the former governors that had been before me were chargeable unto the people. They, they, they charged the people and had taken of them bread and wine beside 40 shekels of silver. Yea, even their servants bear rule over the people, so, but so did not I because of the fear of God. Yea, also I continued in the work of this wall, neither bought we any land, and all my servants were gathered thither unto the work. You know, Nehemiah, he went into great detail to recount his experience. The governors that came before him, they did not do what he did. Nehemiah did not follow what they did. The governors before him, they, they took what was rightfully theirs, legally theirs. They took land, they took food. Why? They were appointed by the king and they were allowed to. And so they used up their privileges to the max, to the max. But Nehemiah said, I never did that. For 12 years I've been amongst you and I never ever took a single piece of corn from any of you. He was governor. He had the right to take it. Do you understand that? He was legally able to do so and no one would have said, Nehemiah, that's not fair. No, he was within the jurisdiction of the law and his position to do that, but he never did. He was right there in the trenches with them all working, him and his servants and everyone that had come from Medo-Persia, not just to gain a livelihood, but to be a real blessing to the Lord's work. And he continues, verse 17, Moreover, there were at my table a hundred and fifty of the Jews and rulers, beside those that came unto us from among the heathen that are about us. Now that which was prepared for me daily was one ox, six choice sheep, also fowls were prepared for me, and once in ten days store of all sorts of wine. Yet for all this, required not I the bread of the governor, because the bondage was heavy upon this people. You know, he had a right to a luxurious life, him and all those that came with him, the nobles, but he did not. He did not. He did not take all that food, which was within his legal right to do so, because he saw the bondage that people were in. You see that, friends? He could have, and, and then at the end of it, he could confidently say this. Look at this. Nehemiah 5.19 Think upon me, my God, for good, according to all that I have done for this people. You know, Nehemiah wasn't saying it from the pride of his heart, like, look at me, God, I'm so good. But he was asking God to reward him according to all that he had done, according to all his actions he could confidently and assurance stand before the judgment seat of Christ and know that he had done according to God's will and not to man's. 
you know, this story, and we've gone through this whole chapter now, this story right in the middle of the book of Nehemiah is a very interesting story of what is taking place during the time of the building of the wall. You know, it seems to take a little diversion from the work and the focus of the theme of the book. What relevance does this story have for us today? Do you know that Nehemiah's story parallels our time? Simply because of the work that God is called, has called him to do, which he is calling us to do today as well. And, you know, we, we aren't called to build a physical city. We're not called to build New Jerusalem. God is the one that builds that one and it will come down from heaven at the end of time. So no, he, he's not calling us to rebuild a literal city. But we are called to build in a different way today. We are still called to be Nehemiahs of our day. You know, in Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 12, the Bible says this, And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. You know, friends, we are called to build the old waste places, to raise up the foundation of many generations, to be a repairer of the breach. And Nehemiah was a repairer of the breach. There was breach in the walls, and he was called to fix it. And how else are we called to build today as well? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 9 to 11. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building, according to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Friends, we have to build on Jesus Christ, who is the one and true and only foundation. We're called to be Nehemiahs in these last days. But what has been eroded away? What is it that we are to build? What does it mean to be building the breach and repairing the wall? If you go back to Isaiah chapter 58, and you know, we, we read verse 12, but in verse 13, we are given the clue and the understanding as to what we should be building again. Isaiah 58 and verse 13 says, If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. Friends, right after verse 12, where we're called to be repairers of the breach, the one thing that we got to repair that's been broken down is the Sabbath truth. We got to rebuild it again. The law of God has been trampled down. And if we are to build, if we are to be builders on the walls of Jerusalem in Zion today, if we are to rebuild so that we can, can raise up that foundation and we can finish the work here in our time, it will not be without opposition. The opposition that Nehemiah faced, we have to face as well. And if that wall is really the Sabbath, 
if it is a breach that has been made that we got to be rebuilding, we got to expect that people like Sanballat are, are going to come about and mock us for keeping the Sabbath. They're going to challenge us on it. They're going to try and break down that wall, the Sabbath. We've got to expect that there are going to be challenges of people from within saying it's rubbish, that it's just a bunch of tradition and that we don't need to keep it anymore and we just leave off building the walls. Do you see that? But what does this have to do with the story that we're looking at here in Nehemiah chapter 5 today? You know, friends, the love of money, the love of gain, the love of display has not only infected the world, but even those that call themselves Christians today. Those that still even go to church. Many of us were caught up with just making a living, and sometimes it is at the expense of the poor, of those that are less fortunate. We may be doing what is legal according to the laws of the land, but through the eyes of God, we fall short. The nobles and the rulers, they were legally doing what they were doing. And people, they weren't crying out because they were being unjust. They were just crying out because they had nothing left to, to mortgage. And that's why they came to Nehemiah finally. They were operating within the jurisdiction of the laws of that land. But yet in the eyes of God, they were so far from doing what was right. And you know, friends, for us more often, when we go chase after money, when we do what is legal according to the laws of the land, and we try to build up our wealth, more often than not, it is at the expense of the Sabbath. Yes, we encroach upon the Sabbath hours. Our desire for gain, for making a living, is brought with us to church as well, and into the Sabbath hours. Your business or your work texting you on the Sabbath, Having to take a call, just a call. I'm not at work, I'm at church, but I just need to take this call real quickly. We go for meetings on Sabbath right after church. There are people that have Airbnb business that requires them to open the door for people on the Sabbath and then they run off to church. They're communicating with their customers on the Sabbath. You know, friends, when you think about it and you take the Sabbath so seriously, there are many things that we cannot do and should not be doing as Seventh-day Adventists. we got to be so careful. And Isaiah tells us, there's a hole in the wall. There are holes in the walls of Zion. God's Ten Commandments have been broken down. And He tells us this is what we should be doing. At the beginning of the chapter of Isaiah 58, He tells us that we need to cry aloud and spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Friends, that is exactly what Nehemiah did in chapter 5 when he heard of the injustice that was taking place between the rich and the poor. He got angry. He was upset. He marched straight to the houses of those that were rich, that had the affluence, that had plenty of food to eat, and he rebuked them sharply, the Bible said. The desire for gain in our churches today have come at a cost of keeping the Sabbath holy. And today I'm praying for an open heart for all of you that are listening to receive this message just as the nobles did back in the days of Nehemiah. 
And I'm not saying that if you keep the Sabbath now that you're just going to be blessed and you're going to be even more rich than you were before. No. The nobles and the rich, the, the rich people, the, the, the rulers, they had to restore everything that they had taken. They lost some money. They lost some possessions if they wanted to do that which was right. Do you see that? Today, this morning, I'm not asking you to do it because God will bless you even more and tenfold or a hundredfold that the Bible does talk about. But I'm asking you simply just to do that which is right. You know, I'm not sure who is overreaching in their business. I'm not, I'm not preaching this to pinpoint somebody. I don't know who is defiling the Sabbath or what they choose to do on this holy day. But one thing I know for sure is that if this was not going to be an issue, the Bible would not have mentioned it at all. It would not have been written down there for us. But friends, what we read there is not for those who lived in those times. What is written down there is now written for us who are living at the last days, at the end of time. And I know for a certain that there is someone out there who, who really needs to take a clean look again at him or herself with their commitment to the truth and their love for Jesus and their Savior. I know for a fact that there is someone out there that needs to be honest with themselves. And I know for a fact that there's someone out there that needs to have their eyes open to their current situation, which is they are not walking in the fear of the Lord. Friends, I don't know who that is. And I'm not pinpointing anybody. I did not think of this sermon simply to preach because I thought of somebody. But because it's in Nehemiah chapter 5. And if we are to finish the work of building the wall in our time, these are the issues that we will face. And so friends, if that person is you, and as you're sitting there this morning or standing or whatever you're doing, if this person is you and then you recognize that there is something in your life wherein you are coming short. And maybe it's not the Sabbath. But maybe you've realized that your love for money and your love and desire for gain has superseded God Himself. And you've not walked outside the boundaries of the law. You've been a good citizen of Malaysia or whichever country you're from but you've not been a good steward of heaven and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then this morning, on behalf of our Lord and Saviour, who for the sake of our own salvation become, became poor, that we might be made rich in heaven, I'm asking you to repent, to turn from the, the wicked ways, from, to turn from that constant desire for gain, for money, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Friends, what will you give in exchange for yours? By God's grace, I'm asking you to repent. Ask God to forgive you. And then, like the nobles and the rich men, just like Zacchaeus as he stood before Jesus, that we're willing to return everything. To give up that which was unjustly taken, or rather, justly taken,
but was not righteous. And so, friends, I plead that you would take a good, hard and long look at yourself. That if the money that you've gathered has been in consequence of breaking the Sabbath, then you've got to surrender it. You've got to give it up. You might not have broken the laws of the land. It might have been legal for you to operate during this lockdown situation, but it wasn't legal in the eyes of God. Then let's choose to stand on the blood-stained banner of Prince Emmanuel today so that we can finish the work in our time, friends. We can finish the building of the walls of Jerusalem. I hope that's your desire today. And I hope that if you recognized that you've been coming short, that you will pray with me and that God would give all of us true repentance. Let's pray, shall we? Father in heaven, <clears throat> Lord, so often as human beings that walk this earth, we, we just want your blessing. We want to be rich. We want to be comfortable. We want to retire early. We want to have no worries when it comes to monetary issues. But Lord, so many of us in, in the quest for just wanting to retire early or just to have a comfortable life or just buy the desires that are in our hearts, we've overstepped our boundaries with you and we've ventured into Satan's territory. But Lord, this morning I know that there is someone out there that you have spoken to, not my words, but your scripture, Lord, it's co convicted them. As they read this story, they, they, they saw their own lives in it. That even though they were legally within the boundaries of the law, they were so far from you, O Lord. And I pray, Father, that you would grant us true repentance, that you would forgive us, Lord, and that you'd help us to come back to you today. Lord, this morning we've tuned in and you've guided us to this point because we want to be part of those burden bearers at the end of time, the repairers of the breach, that we can rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and see you come in our lifetime. Oh Lord, please change our focus. Help us to stop focusing so much on the world and just our daily routines. Help us, Lord, to focus on you again. And so thank you for the Sabbath that comes around every week that we can have this refocus. And I just pray, Lord, that you'd help us to grow from there, to bring the Sabbath blessings into the week with us as well. So Father, please be with all my brothers and sisters. We've heard the silent cries in our hearts. We want to be more like Jesus today. Grant us that true repentance that only you can give us, Lord. Transform our hearts from the inside to the out as well. Thank you, O Lord, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.